Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. And this is really designed for the modern entrepreneur. And I'm Priscilla McKinney, the mama bird and CEO here at Little Bird Marketing. But as always, I'm bringing you different ideas, new trends, and also interesting people to hear from in the industry. I'm very curious about my guest today, and I think you'll hear that come out in the conversation today. Uh, I have with me Liz Van Patten, and she is an online qualitative researcher. And that's a mouthful, but it's going to be really interesting for us to to unpack that and really get to know her. So before I get started, I just want to say I met Liz. I was a speaker at Insights Marketing Day in New York, a very different group for me. It was full of uh, marketing researchers. So I got to speak and I got to have a lovely conversation with her. So we're going to pick up there and hear from Liz Van Patten. So welcome, Liz. Well, thank you, Priscilla. It's a delight to uh, have this conversation with you. I'm looking forward to it. I know when I came into Insights Marketing Day in New York, I was a different speaker than what you all normally have. What do you all normally talk about? I felt like it was an interesting club. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're an interesting group. I mean, basically, the, the broadest way to think of it is that we're people who ask why and how. And, you know, we ask questions for a living. And, in, mm-hmm. in fact, I've been accused by some of my friends of doing that too much in a conversation that had nothing nothing to do with work. So, but we're, we're, we're just curious people by nature. And you know, it's funny, I, I got into this field kind of accidentally, which a lot of us researchers do. Really? I mean, I, I, as, as you talk to other researchers, there seems like there are very few that decided early on, I want to be a market researcher. You it's, mean they don't have a Halloween costume for that? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not I am yet. the market researcher of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, that would be a good uh, one, though. Yeah, so I originally was very interested in theater, and my undergraduate degree was in theater. And I came to New York wanting to be a theater director and performer. And, you know, yeah, funny thing, you have to pay the rent. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so I did a lot of office temp job. One of them, I wound up at an ad agency that um, had a, a research division. And I kind of got intrigued with... Mm-hmm what it was all about. You know, you get to ask people questions. There's a lot of psychology behind it because you try to figure out why people are motivated to do what they do and Mm -hmm. why they buy the brands they buy and what what their opinions are. So that kind of hooked me. And then as I stuck around research longer, I found out about qualitative research, which is basically talking to small groups of people. Mm -hmm. And when I started in the field, that meant focus groups. That meant sitting down with six to eight people and talking about a topic for two hours. And once I started doing that, I realized, well, that's really like improvisational theater. (laughs) (laughs) You laugh, but there are clients observing always. And, you know, they want to be... They want to learn, but they also want to be entertained. They don't want to be bored. Right, so so you're, setting, you're setting a stage of sorts, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and keeping everybody's energy up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the tenets of improvisational theater is when somebody gives you a line or somebody gives you a, a story point to, to run with, the rule is you say yes and. If you say no, that cuts the whole thing off and it, you can't, it's hard to get over that no and it's really very true with talking to people either you know interviewing people one at a time or conducting a focus group you've always got to give them positive encouragement because you want to hear more <laughs> well give me an example of that what does that sound like in a focus group 
Well, one of the things that we do in focus groups is we there's a there's a in fact a specific technique called laddering, which is we think of it as laddering up. Mm-hmm. So if if you're talking about say you're talking about cars, right, mm-hmm. and you want to find out why people buy the brands they do or why they're loyal to the brands that they're loyal to, so you start interviewing somebody who's maybe a let's say a BMW loyalist, okay. you know. So you sit him down, you start talking with him, you say, "So I see that you've been driving BMWs for 12 years. Why is that? Tell me about that." And they'll tell you, "Well, you know, it's a really well-made car." Uh huh. And why is that important to you? That it's a well-made car. Well, you know, I, I want to know that, that I and my family are safe when we're in the car. Oh, really? And, and why is it important to you that your family be safe? So you keep asking wow. why and you keep peeling back the layers of the onion and you get to that core motivation, which is really, you know, in this case, it might be a sense of, of being a protector of one's family, protector mm-hmm. of one's children, and that's why they want to drive that car specifically. Or it might be something from their past or their childhood that comes out in this in this interviewing technique. So you're, we're always, we call it probing. We're always looking for the answer behind the first answer. Well, you're right I, in that it does sound like psychology, and I feel like I should just lay down and let you ask me a few questions, Liz. <laughs> Okay, why little bird? How did you get why? to that? <laughs> so tell me how that sounds like when people, you know, come up with also negative reasons, like why are they drawn to do certain things? But what if they're just, um, what if it's a motivation against something? Is is that different for you guys in qualitative research? No, well, you really have to understand that too. You know, if there's the, that group of people we, we refer to as rejectors, either rejectors of a brand or rejectors of a category, and it's really very useful to find out why people are rejecting that brand. Mm-hmm. So we will probe around that and try to find out, you know, exactly what is it that causes people to reject that brand. And, and often it will be something so crazy that they heard or they reacted to years ago mm-hmm. but it just turned them off that brand and it's really hard to get them to get them back mm-hmm. uh, but it's really kind of you know focusing on what's the core what's underneath all of that and what's driving people to react the way they do in the marketplace well i think just in our the environment that we're living in now people have heard of market research and people know that you know, people are gathering statistics and, you you know, I'm sure in your industry, you're talking all the time about big data. So help us understand how big data or the kind of what people understand as traditional marketing, like, do you like Coke versus Pepsi? You know, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, help us understand how limited that is, or if you love it, or what it is good for, and what's so awesome. Like, where, where, where does qualitative research go? beyond that good, good question yeah it, it, and it's it, it actually a question touches on a lot of um, misperceptions that the public has about mm. uh, market research you know when when you hear that term market research for a lot of people it sort of prompts a, a, an image of somebody standing there with a clipboard asking Definitely. questions <laughs> they have or, to be wearing a lab coat Liz right. <laughs> <laughs> or Big data, as you said, which is like one of the current buzzwords in the field because market researchers are now able to get all this information, all these natural conversations that are taking place in social media about brands and about categories of products. So that all that data is out there and the industry as a whole is trying to come to terms with what are we 
do with all of that and how do we manipulate it and analyze it to, to make it really useful. Qualitative research, here's the difference that I learned years and years ago when I was putting together a presentation for a client who was new to research, okay? Quantitative data, survey data, is all about counting the beans, okay? okay? Qualitative data is figuring out which beans to count. <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> you know, it sounds so simple, but honestly, you have to have it broken down, understanding that, because you can mistake them for for the same. And there, the reason why I think it's so interesting to my listeners and why I want to go even deeper with this question and hear more from you on it is because... All of us, even in a small business or entrepreneur or as a freelancer, anything like that, we are getting data back. We're getting data mm -hmm. back about our own personal Facebooks. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. oh, hey, right. congratulations, Priscilla. It's your anniversary of liking this friend. You like each other so much. You've liked each other 486 times. Yeah. That's yeah quantitative information back to me. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, then I have to think, but what is the quality of this friendship that I have? And I know that might be a silly way of looking at it, but we, even in our personal lives, are getting all of this quantitative data back right now. Mm -hmm. No, it's not a silly way of looking at it at all, because, and, and I've been, some of the reading I've been doing lately in um, online marketing and content marketing, you know, some people are caught up in this game of how many followers do I have on Twitter mm -hmm. and how many connections do I have on LinkedIn? And it's really not a numbers game. It's Absolutely. really what's the quality of the people who you're connected with mm -hmm. and what can you do for each other? How can you connect <laughs> and really have it a mutually beneficial connection rather mm -hmm. than, you know, oh, I have 1,500 followers on, on LinkedIn. That's... <laughs> You know, that when, when it really comes down to it, who are these people right. who are followers? Who are you connected to do and what can you, how can you network with each other in a, in a beneficial way? Right. So you saw this in a regular traditional ad agency and they had a research department. I'm sure they hid you away in the basement. I'm sure of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were on the, I don't know, we were on the 16th floor, I think. But um yeah, and actually, the, that first research job that I had, the division of this ad agency, they were all about what they used to call copy testing. So oh, okay. we would test commercials that were inserted into, you know, sit sitcoms that they would show to people in an audience, and s try to figure out how persuasive those commercials were. Mm -hmm. um, and then from that, I, you know, I, I sort of. Um, I think I was recruited to, to join a company that, uh, actually the first company that I worked with specialized in working with kids and teens, which was which was a great introduction. <laughs> and I've often said, you know, if, if you can get through an hour and a half focus group with six-year-olds, oh <laughs> you can do anything. <laughs> what is it, the Sprint commercials that have done a really good job? of, uh, you know, doing like the mock uh, focus group with mm -hmm. the kindergartners or something. Right, yeah, I right. can't imagine that going yeah. on. Yeah, um, to, to keep them on the same topic. So, um, yeah, that was my, my beginning. And then I, um, then I decided, hmm, I think I'd like to work with adults. So <laughs> I, uh, I joined a, um, a global company that was basically, they were a branding company, but they had a research division. Mm -hmm. So I got to work on, you know, 
financial services accounts and, mm-hmm. and retailing and categories that um, where adults were more important. Now, and, what were uh, the kind of jobs? Tell a few more, because I do think it is really interesting to people. What does a qualitative marketer research do? What What are some of the, mm-hmm. the jobs? Mm-hmm. So copy, actually measuring the persuasiveness of copy is one right. thing. And then is it like, do you guys also work in, do you like this packaging? Do you kind of go on a little bit? Well, more yeah, well, let, me, let me tell you about some of the packaging and branding work that we did, because I found that fascinating. And it's it's very close to my heart working I, in that I whole branding area. I would find that area. super oh, interesting. <laughs> because one of the things that the, the branding agency always needed to do if they had a new assignment you know and often brands would come to them and say you know we think our look is a little tired we want to modernize our logo and update our brand imagery and can you help us out with that so the first thing we would do as researchers is do some focus groups to find out you know how do people perceive this brand mm-hmm. how do they relate to it what does it mean to them so um, the challenge there is, and this is a, a whole basket of tricks that qualitative researchers use, mm-hmm. you can't ask people those questions directly hmm. because you're going to get what they think you want to hear. So one of the challenges there was to use what we call projective techniques, which are indirect ways of getting people to talk about and to reveal how they feel about a specific brand. Okay, give me an example, because this sounds like something I could use in my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask this directly. Just project something and see if it works. (laughs) Again, you know, there is a lot of psychology to it. So, yeah, give me an example of that. It's all psychology. Well, we would show people... um, you know, we, you would often first, uh, I want to say one of the things we did, especially if it was a logo project, we would ask people, um, we'd throw out a brand name. And, and of course, we recruit people very carefully, people who fit specific requirements and people who were users of that brand and who mm-hmm. were very familiar with it in this, you know, in this kind of case. So we would throw out a brand name and pass out boxes of markers, you know, colored markers and um, paper and say, you know, I know you're not an artist, but play along with me. I'd like everybody to just draw what comes to mind when you hear this brand name. And you would get, you would start to get amazing things. You would get, you know, one of the brands I did a lot of work on was Pizza Hut. And you would always get red. Uh-huh. <laughs> you would always get red. And some people would draw that distinctive shape of the Pizza Hut roof. So you start to, to learn what the visual clues are that represent that brand to people. Right, interesting. And then we would move along. And actually, the Pizza Hut one is a pretty good example because we would move on and, and ask people to talk about what's the whole experience of going to a pizza hut and we found out such wonderful richness about you know one of the things that's great about pizza is it's a great family food because everybody sits around a table and eats with their hands Mm -hmm. it's a round tray that it comes on so everybody gets an equal piece of the pie literally (laughs) the mom is like thank god (laughs) it's i mean we found out such wonderful richness about the feelings that people have about the whole pizza experience even down to you know if you go to a pizza place and they have 
tablecloths, those tablecloths have to be red and white checkered tablecloths. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it just doesn't work because that's what pizza is all about. Mm -hmm. So it's about family. It's about sharing. It's about good times. It's this wonderful stuff starts coming out when you start talking to people about the whole pizza experience. That's the kind of thing we focus on. Those are the kind of insights that qualitative research can get that no other form of research can get as as directly. Well, let's talk about who can get it and who can't, because I think that there is this idea that the only people who could afford qualitative research is the companies, you know, that are very, very large, the Pizza Huts, the Netflix, the, the Coke versus Pepsi kind of thing. So who actually, in your opinion, needs your service? And who, at the end of the day, do you really serve? Well, I think anybody who has a product or a service that they are marketing to, to to customers, and and they can be B2B customers as well. You know, we work both B2C markets and B2B markets. They all need to understand their customers better. And often, a qualitative inquiry can be much more revealing than a poorly designed do-it-yourself right. <laughs> survey monkey survey. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that because I think that would be helpful for my for my listeners is what are the dangers of the do-it-yourself, you know, type of thing? And what could a company look for in order to get something more qualitative, even if they were on a budget? What are the things mm-hmm. they should be looking out for? I'll give you a perfect example of some of the dangers of do-it-yourself. Okay, Okay? awesome. I I had a conversation last week with my brother, and my brother works in human resources, and the group where he works was interested in getting some kind of assessment of employee satisfaction with their um, customer service um, it's not a phone line, it's an email. If you have any question about your employee benefits or you were supposed to get a raise and you didn't or whatever, mm-hmm. they have this email address that you can send an email inquiry to and they respond to you within two days and try to help you resolve your problem. So management wanted to find out, are employees satisfied with what we're doing here? Let's do a let's do a survey monkey survey. Let's do it ourselves because we don't have a research budget. So my brother called me to pick my brain <laughs> and started talking about. Well, we thought we'd invite anybody who you know. We thought we'd randomly select um, some employees who've contacted this email uh, service over the past six months. Okay. And I said, wait a minute. Problem number one. I'm <laughs> feeling it coming on, Liz. <laughs> Do you remember who you emailed six months ago to ask a question and and how relevant the answer was and how satisfied you feel? No, you're not going to remember it that well. You, if, if it wasn't satisfactory, you might still be pissed off, in right. which case th- those aren't the people you want to talk to. You really have to talk to people who've contacted the service line in the past week mm-hmm. or two because then it's fresh in their mind. Wow. And okay, I could that's hear a very could, clear, like obvious one that yeah. you wouldn't you 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 can see it's obvious once you say it. Uh-huh, but yeah. I don't I totally get it that a company would look at it and go, oh yeah, okay, well let's just get the most recent people. Mm-hmm. I, I can see this happening. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I I could hear the light bulb going off in his head. So, yeah. Of course. Yes. The past week or two, those are the people for whom it's going to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, it's possible to do it yourself, but it's it's you know just simple things like that are, are 
an argument why it's so important to have um, a trained researcher at least mm-hmm. consulting with you. And right. actually, I just posted something um, on a LinkedIn group yesterday, a, a group of qualitative researchers. And uh, a qualitative colleague was asking for suggestions, obviously a low-budget project in the medical field, and the client wanted their own staff to recruit people for these in-depth interviews, which means a a one-on-one interview. Mm -hmm. The researcher was kind of flummoxed by, you know, is anybody, do you know of any papers? Do you know, can you give me any tips on how to do this? And so I wrote down, I said, you know, I've done projects like this. Here's what I'd recommend. And what you might even want to consider, even though you don't have the budget to hire a professional market research recruiter, you might want to see if you can hire a recruiter to consult with you for a half a day Hmm. just to outline you know I know you only have budget for your in-house people to do it but here's what they need to do and here's how they need to do it wow (laughs) so (laughs) I'm I'm listening going absolutely okay how does someone do that so you know I walked into a room full of market researchers and I'm in the marketing industry but Mm -hmm. there is a very big divide where people don't feel like they can get that kind of quality consulting that it's within their reach. So how does, I I will just say it straight out, how can people reach you? But then also, if they're looking, how would they find someone like you also? And what kinds of questions would they ask to determine, is this a qualitative researcher that knows what they're doing? So I know those are three real questions in there. So where do Mm -hmm. we find you, Liz? Because even some of the things that you have posted, I I, I do enjoy what you post. And I think on LinkedIn, there's a lot of value with what people post from their own profession. It it is Mm -hmm. very, very helpful. Do you prefer LinkedIn? Is that how you like to connect to people? Well, I, you know, I, I really tend to compartmentalize. You know, I'm very active on Facebook, but mm-hmm. that's really social. Yeah, that's, that's very for fun. Personal. That's with uh-huh. family. That's with friends. That's you know, posting silly videos and jokes <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and then in my head, LinkedIn is the professional side of my social media life. Uh, I've just started doing more with Twitter. I still haven't made up my mind about that, mm-hmm. but I find LinkedIn very valuable and. Um, Actually, I'm I'm one of the moderators of a LinkedIn group that um, my professional association uh, has on LinkedIn, which mm-hmm. is all about qualitative research. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of how to find people who do mm-hmm. what we do, the group that I'm very involved with is QRCA, which stands for Qualitative Research Consultants Association. Uh, and that is the premier organization of qualitative research consultants. There, it's just under a thousand members worldwide. Mm-hmm. Most of us are concentrated in North America, but we specialize in qualitative research. Okay. Um, the other, the other resource is Green Book, who, who was mm-hmm. the sponsor of the Insights Marketing Day where we met. Green yeah. Book also has. You know, Green Book has an interesting history. They started out as a, uh, a spiral-bound book with green cardboard covers that came out every year that uh-huh. listed that listed all the market research companies in the New York market, and then they grew from there. And now they have listings online of um, any kind of market research company that you're looking for. You know, the other thing to remember about the market research industry is that it's stratified. There are companies that um, focus exclusively on data collection, okay. and what that means is they do 
they provide interviewers. They some in the qualitative area, they'll have a focus group facility, which is a suite of rooms somewhere, usually in the suburbs, not always, mm-hmm. where people can rent a room for a day or an evening and conduct focus groups there. Um, sometimes they will do the recruiting of the focus group participants as well. So that's that whole data collection piece of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the consulting piece of it. And that can range from, you know, one person consulting shops like myself to huge global market research companies that do everything. They do qualitative, they do gigantic surveys, they do all of it. So it's a really varied industry. Mm-hmm. Well, those are two really great resources. So QRCA and mm-hmm. then Greenbook. And it's greenbook.org, isn't it? Um it's qrca.org. It's I think it's greenbook.com. Greenbook.com. Okay. Um, yeah. and then you can have you can have staff look it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Someone please go look this up for me. Um, but and then Liz Van Patten, it's V A N P A T T E N. So if you would like right. to look her up on LinkedIn, please do that. But I want to hear a little bit more as we wrap up about you. What are you interested in learning right now? What's kind of new in your industry that's making and you go, hmm, that, that sounds interesting. Yeah, there, there are a couple things. One of the things that's real hot across the whole research industry right now is mobile. Everybody has gone mobile mm-hmm. because everybody <laughs> has a smartphone. And um, I, may, I I understand in, in the survey side of things why mobile is so appealing because, you know, you can get to people wherever they are. You can interview them while they're shopping. But we qualitative people love mobile because it allows us to do it's it's almost a, a digital ethnography ethnography means qualitative research that it, it, you observe people in their natural environment mm-hmm. but with mobile ethnography we can do it remotely so we can send people out to shop and ask them to take pictures of the shelves and pictures of what they purchase and video themselves and their kids while they're deciding about a purchase or they can video in their home. They can show... One of the great things I did with mobile is we were doing um, an online project and we haven't even talked about online. We were doing an online project um, on children's clothing and we asked moms to take a photo of their child's favorite outfit of clothing and send that to us and then we also asked them to take a photo of that child's favorite outfit and had them send that to us well (laughs) those were interesting I bet (laughs) it was great I mean it was the little suit you know compared Mm -hmm. to the Batman pajamas I mean that is awesome it was wonderful just wonderful that is good well let's talk a little bit about that about online because we did kind of blow right over that but you're a qualitative researcher but you specialize in online qualitative research so yeah what's that connection Online means it's facilitated through the web. It's as simple as that. So we, um, originally it was all basically text-based. So um, it would be like being in a chat room, but there are special platforms that have been developed specifically for qualitative research. So some of it can be very much like chat, where a group of people are recruited because of the who they are and the products that they use. Um, And um, we'll interview them through an online chat room. So 
questions will post in that chat room. They'll type their responses, and um, we can probe. Clients can observe. Um, it's very much the the pattern of an in-person focus group moved over to an online setting. So how and does that, that work it, it, when when you know it seems like so much of qualitative research is you going deeper and deeper prodding but is there how does that work without the human element someone bringing that energy there well it can work you'd be amazed people um people respond to one another they use uh, emoticons to mm. express what they're feeling you can dig you can almost dig deeper in some senses because online is more anonymous mm. that's you know you know that's so never true. Gonna, I see you're that. never going to see the person again right you know, uh-huh. um, I mean, if, here's a good example. I had a client that wanted to do some work in the uh, hair loss area with men and women, mm-hmm. and they had been working with um, with a qualitative consultant that they'd worked with before. They couldn't get people to agree to come to a focus group. Oh people my gosh. Were dealing with hair loss. <laughs> no, I won't go to. A <laughs> of focus course, group. of course, that is so interesting. So we moved it online, yeah. and people loved it. They were trading recipes. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what I do, and here's you know, here's the concoction I make at home to put on my head to keep my hair. And absolutely fascinating. Wow, I can see a lot of applications for that. Also, yeah, online is great for people who are hard to get to to attend an in-person focus group, either because they're very busy or because it's a very sensitive topic, or often because there are too few of them and they're too widely scattered. It's oh. great for that. Yeah, how, how big, those are three interesting reasons why you'd go online. How big of a factor is the time issue that people just don't have time to sit to go to a focus group or do that? Do you do you hear that that's a, a big problem, or once you've really identified the right people, you're not really having that problem? Well, it's a factor in some cases. I mean, I, I do a lot of B2B work, and um, for those people who, you know, if it's a small business owner or a busy executive or somebody in in healthcare, they just don't have the evening to give you to come right. to a focus group. <laughs> so it's it's easier for them to go online. and. That also is a good transition into the other form of online qualitative that I wanted to touch on. Okay, big word coming up. You ready? Okay, I'm, I'm good for it. I have a degree in cultural anthropology, for, so I was tracking with you with ethnography, so we're good. Oh, well, here's another one. Asynchronous. Asynchronous. Okay, how yeah. does that apply to the research? Okay, they first started calling them bulletin boards. That f- term has kind of gone out, out of yeah, favor. Yeah, okay. But it's a basically a focus group that takes place over several days, mm-hmm. usually three to five days, sometimes longer, mm-hmm. um, if you want to do like a longitudinal kind of thing. But that's really great for busy people because there's no one set time. The questions post every morning, new bunch of questions post, and people come in when they have time to participate. <laughs> that is so interesting. So your entire 
um, industry has really morphed around just the modern world. We're, we mm-hmm. need oh, to yeah. reach in such a completely different way. That's oh, so yeah. interesting for me to hear how you guys have overcome the mm-hmm. schedules and the access. And, and the reality is, would you believe that it's true then that you are being able to access even better people just because you're not being restricted by the geography and and from like being able to get better, bigger samples, you know, of a smaller well, niche? You, what you can get is you can get the people that it was really hard to get to before. Okay. Because they're available now. Right. And they if can, you're, if they you're can... testing Coke and Pepsi, yeah, it's ubiquitous. You know, you can just mm-hmm. go ahead and have anybody do it for you. But, you know, right. I love that example of the hair loss product. You right. don't want an 18-year-old who has a full head of hair. You don't want their opinion <laughs> on this product. Right, right exactly. Oh, One of the early online asynchronous projects that I did was with first responders about telecommunications equipment. Mm-hmm. So that's police, fire, EMTs. And, you know, the client sat down to rough out a budget, what they thought they wanted to spend and the different types of, they wanted to go to big cities, they wanted to go to small towns, they wanted to go here, they wanted to go there, they wanted to go to four different regions of the country, and they couldn't afford the travel, <laughs> let alone let alone the project itself. Mm-hmm. So we took it online, and we were able to have people in big cities, in small towns, in rural areas in Idaho, and because they were first responders, some of them were logging in at 4 o'clock in the morning talking about their experiences because they work, you know, unusual schedules. So uh, something like that is really perfect where it's people that you're never going to get to come to a focus group facility. And the latest thing there is the addition of mobile. Because now people are off in stores and they're taking pictures of their closets and they're interviewing themselves <laughs> and, you know, you're getting this great ethnographic component mm-hmm. to it. What is there something in that that's like your dream job? Like you, you know, is there one of those different types of setups that you like to do better? Um, I really have a great fondness for um, for the asynchronous approaches. Mm-hmm. I just feel that people people open up after a couple of days, even after the first day, they just, they get to know the other people that they're interacting with. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's no time limit. You know, in a, in a traditional in-person focus group, if you're there for two hours and you have eight to ten people, there's about ten minutes of air time for each mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. It, you go on to some of these asynchronous discussions and people will type pages <laughs> if wow. it's a topic that they're very passionate about mm-hmm. they'll really go on they'll give you everything they have to give you mm-hmm. um and you can just get, dig really deeply in that asynchronous approach wow and then there's you're needing to call through that information and give the client back what is relevant so <laughs> that's got to be the downside of it the 200 page <laughs> transcripts yes wow wow yeah. Okay, well, I I was wondering if there was anything, you know, that you maybe a lot of times I ask this to my um, uh, to my guests. Is there something that's driving you crazy about the industry right now or something you wish would change or one little tweak that would make things better? You know, well, here's the thing that and this also is interesting. This touches on something that I've been doing um, as kind of an adjunct to the research work that Mm -hmm. I've done. and I've been doing this for a few years. Um, I do some consulting and training in the area of visual presentation of research data. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, one of the other buzzwords in our industry these days is data viz, data visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it comes about through this big data because you've got, you know, millions of data points. And if you're savvy, you can massage that data and come up with some great charts and graphs and things like that. But in our our area of the field, the qualitative area, we don't have all those sexy charts to to, to deal with. We have to figure out other ways to get our point across and Mm -hmm. to tell our story. Mm -hmm. So several years ago, I started kind of training myself about um, sort of the basics of graphic design Mm -hmm. and visual presentation and specifically presenting using a PowerPoint or some Mm -hmm. other presentation software to present in person or um, through webinars. Mm -hmm. I also produce monthly webinars for QRCA on qualitative research topics. So this this became a real you know love of mine, kind right. of uh, a side interest. Um, so I work with other researchers on helping them up their game in what their presentations look like and how they deliver them and how they tell the story mm-hmm. of the research findings. Um, and that, you know if if I ha- had a wish, it would be to um, spread that awareness of visual storytelling throughout the industry because mm. it's, you know, we come from a tradition of being very academic and issuing 80-page <laughs> word reports that right. are can be pretty deadly to read through, but now nobody has the time to do that. Right. A- and and what all- you've gotten out in qualitative, if I'm not wrong here, is that you've gotten out the juicy story. Yeah. And isn't that what you want to lead with? You didn't dig out the number. Mm-hmm. You did right. dig out the person and the story and the right. and the trial or the you yep. know the all the emotions that go along with that issue. So, yeah, presenting that that emotion yes. and that story and that that wholeness of a person mm-hmm. or what's really going on when they are looking at that brand or what's really going on when they're at that store or what's really going on when their child picks that outfit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. I love this topic. I'd love to have you back sometime. I'll let some of my listeners send us some questions and hopefully that can refine a little bit about what we want to know about research. And I think people are really primed for this uh, subject because, you know, we're spending bigger and bigger budgets on marketing, even in Mm -hmm. small companies. Yeah. And people are waking up Mm -hmm. to that and they don't want to waste their money. And so... Right. I do feel that even it's coming down to a smaller level that, you know, people are wanting to wait before we pull the trigger. Let's do some research. But I do find a lot of people ask me, well, I don't know who to call. I mean, who who does this? (laughs) You know, really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and I really feel strongly that you need to use someone who really is experienced in that. Could we ask questions? Sure. But should we be? No, because there's a lot of experience that goes on with that. And so I really had been wanting to talk with someone in this industry. And Mm. it was really nice that Green Book called me and, you know, wanted to have me. I think I was their odd man out. I was, uh, uh, you know, speaking about some very (laughs) different issues for them. But it really got me introduced to some of the market researchers, and I really appreciated a lot of the conversations. They were very thoughtful conversations, I think, that we had um, at that event. 
Great, so, great. It's yeah, it's a great event. Yeah. I always enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I'll be speaking at the Chicago one. I don't know. Oh, I know cool. you're in New York, so you're always yeah. coming to the New York side of it. But uh, right. Okay, right. so you want to find Liz on LinkedIn. It's Liz mm-hmm. Van Patten, P-A-T-T-E-N. So you mm-hmm. can find her and send her a question or a comment too about the podcast. And if you have any right. questions about online qualitative research, now that you know exactly what that is, <laughs> um, do check her work out. And if you are a market researcher and want to up your game, then contact. Contact Liz and let's make a world full of much more interesting presentations. Great. Great. <laughs> that would be awesome. Thank you, Liz, so oh. much for coming and sharing your expertise and your time. Well, thank you, Priscilla. It was very enjoyable. Awesome. awesome. Well, for Little Bird Marketing Company Podcast, Ponderings from the Perch, this is Priscilla McKinney here with Liz Manpatton saying have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.